Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you're listening in. I'm doing this podcast in early April 2020. This is, we're, we're right in the coronavirus scare, and this is what will go down in the history books, the pandemic that is wrapping our globe and changing our lives. It is shutting it is. It has shut us down for the most part, and it has been also a season of reflection. I've had a number of people who have written in to me, and they they said I'm I'm reevaluating my life. I'm I'm thinking about things in in ways that I I haven't thought before, and a lot of it is tied to three things: uh, how things used to be, and I'm talking about the past that they had three weeks ago, uh, two months ago. And so they're thinking about how things used to be, and and of course they're they're thinking about where they are today. And then many of them are struggling with fear about the future, and it is reasonable. I do understand that because we have been living a certain way that has has been good for most of the world. I mean, just last year, I recall saying that. Poverty is less than it has ever been. Our life expectancy is as good as it has been. Health issues are better than they have been. And financially, the whole world is doing better across the board. And so we things have been going rather well. And now all of a sudden, the whole globe has hit a wall and we're in a different place now. And of course, that should be a time of self-reflection and and I totally get that for those of us who have responsibilities where we are providing for others and we have savings, we have 401ks and IRAs, and we've invested in stocks and we may have money in the bank. And well, we were just, those were the things that, that were, those are good things. Uh, those are not bad things but now everything is is being turned upside down and so we are we are evaluating and reassessing where we are and that's what i want to talk about in this podcast but i want to come at it from the angle of our christian life because there is one stabilizing factor that is in all of us all of our lives those of us who who are believers, we have, we have a surer foundation than our stocks, and we have a surer foundation than the luxuries that we have enjoyed for a long time. And that's where I want to make an appeal to you in this podcast that you do reassess. And I know many of you are, but this is a time to take inventory, not not to navel gaze and, and not to go into any kind of despair or guilt. I don't want to do that to you, and I'm not suggesting that you do, uh, but, but as you would look into your pantry and, and see what food you have in store and what you need to go get, well, this is a great opportunity to uh, look at your Christian life, your experience with God, and ask your question, ask the question, where are you? And so I've titled this podcast, Four Stages to the Christian Life, Where Are You? And you can read this podcast if you would like. I would love for you to do that. Go to our website, look for that title. Uh, You can go in the search box and type some version of that title in the search box, and uh, you can read the article and also share it. Uh, There's a lot of folks who are meeting online 
these days and and the phone uh, having phone conversations some folks are meeting in parking lots where they are sitting in their respective cars and and talking to each other and maintaining what we are have now called uh, social distancing if that wasn't uh, a label in the dictionary it will be added this year i'm i'm quite sure but i would love for you to share this article however you can and there are many ways of doing that let me also add that it, because there has been a ramp up in stay at home time as we are sheltering in place we have been producing more videos than we have in the past. We've produced nine over the past couple of weeks, and we will continue to produce them, and you can find them all on YouTube. And so if you're looking for solid, good Christian resources, then I would appeal to you to go to our YouTube channel, and you can also, uh, there's all kinds of uh, videos. There's a couple of hundred of them that you can uh, work through. Uh, There are short ones that are 90 seconds. Uh, and less, and then some of I'm starting now to put our podcast also on video, and so there's a few of them as well that uh, go up to 30 minutes, and so you're welcome to watch and share those as well. All right, let me jump into this pod, this podcast, Four Stages to the Christian Life. The question is, where are you? The Christian life is progressive and transforming, meaning we are incrementally moving forward, and as we are doing that, we are changing. To hang with Jesus means to be moving, growing, and changing. It's a privilege of grace to experience a transformation that leads to maturity. But we're not all in the same place. There are stages of the Christian life. And so as you listen to this podcast, my appeal to you is that you will assess yourself to see how you are doing with these four stages of the Christian life. Let me, let me start with a, a marriage analogy. Being a Christian, it's not like choosing an outfit where you dress according to the occasion Christianity is not something that—Christianity is something, rather, that happens inside of you. And so it's not like, I'm going to wear this today, and then I'm going somewhere else, I'll, I'll wear that tomorrow. No, Christianity is happening in you all the time, and it continues to change you throughout your life. It's a transformation, but it's— It's also like an exploration that matures you. Let me give you the marriage analogy. Maybe you you are married. Do you remember the first time you met your spouse? You dated each other. You liked each other. You eventually tied the knot. Shortly after your wedding day, it stagnated. There was nothing else new or to discover. And so you pursued other interests. Okay, I'm only kidding. That didn't happen to you because you don't do that. Stagnation is not the sign of a healthy marriage. A biblical marriage is like a couple walking into an endless garden. The wedding gate is only the entrance to the endless garden of all yet-to-be-perceived beauty of what you're going to experience 
It's an unending adventure your marriage is that matures you into, into something you could never have imagined the first day you met. Covenantal couples know that marriage is an endless journey until there is an exit for heaven where one of them leaves to that to our final resting place. The lovers enjoy a shared experience. Being with Christ is similar to that, but better. Salvation is the door. That's the wedding day. That's the gate. Salvation is the door through which you enter into an unending journey. You learn more. You love more. You change more. You mature more. The fun days in the beginning are great, and I know many of you, as you reflect back on your marriage before before kids, maybe you had money back then, you definitely had more time, and, and those were wonderful times. First love, that marriage, that, those early, that early season, but there is a depth of love and, and a better prize that comes through a long time experience that does include many dangers, toils, and snares. And if you've been married five years, yeah, that works. But 10 years, definitely. 15, oh yeah. 20, 25 years, which is where we are. You look back and you see all the dangers, the toils, and, and the snares and and there is a there is a beauty that that you see and experience with your spouse and there's something deeper that's even harder to articulate it's really it really is hard to say uh, to communicate the closer you get to Jesus the more you think and act like him which brings me to my point how would you describe your experience with Christ are you evolving into a more mature version of him? If you think of it like stages, here's the question. How are you doing with each one? I'm going to describe these four stages for you, and my hope is that you will reflect upon all of them and see how you are doing. Stage one, I'll call it entering. You are entering. It's the starting point in a person's relationship with Christ to become a Christian Though this point is evident, it's not apparent to everyone. It's evident to you, I'm sure. But everyone, it's not that apparent that this is the beginning of the Christian experience. If you are not a Christian, you have no journey with Jesus or a positive relationship with God. I say it that way, a positive relationship with God, because you do have an experience with God, but it's not a pleasant one, even though you might not know that. In John 3.36, Jesus said it this way, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Without him, without God, there is no hope for your future. Jesus did not want Nicodemus to be surprised about what he needed to do, so he told him plainly that he needed to be born again in John 3, 7. Nick was born the first time from sinful parents, but 
to experience the Lord, he had to go through a rebirth, which is what we call regeneration, to be generated again, regeneration, to be born again. Though becoming a Christian is not a complicated thing to do, there is a narrow There is a specific way you must do it. Just like being born the first time did not begin with you, you did not initiate being born the first time, there has to be be outside, an outside initiator to experience a second birth. You cooperate with God. Yes, there is a cooperative, it's a cooperative salvation. No question about that, but you are not the initiator. You cooperate with God through faith and repentance, but it is the Lord who grants this privilege to you. He makes the first move. The reason I say this is because being saved, it's not a matter of just praying a prayer. Anybody can say the words, God saved me, or I asked Jesus into my heart. The real question is, here's the question, have you been born from above? Let me ask them this way. All all the questions I'm going to ask you right here, it's asking the same thing, but in different ways. The redundancy is intentional because there is not a more vital question I can ask you. And so here's four questions that I'm going to ask. They're all the same, different ways, but I really want you to reflect upon this. This stage is critical without entering into a relationship with Christ. You do not have one. Here's the question. Has God regenerated you? Question two, have you experienced justification? Justification is a forensic term, and it means it's it's a courtroom term, a legal term, and it means God has declared you not guilty. Question three, has God adopted you into his family? Number four, have you been born a second time because of the regenerative initiation of God? Are you regenerated, justified, adopted? Have you been born a second time? It is not wise to gloss over these questions. Every individual should give them give them serious thought. I'm not asking you if you love God, if you go to church, if you own a Bible, read a Bible. I'm not asking you if you have Christian parents, have Christian friends, pray on occasion, or if you listen to Christian music. I'm not asking any of those things. I'm asking you if you've been born from above by the power of God. That is what Jesus was telling the very religious Nicodemus. Nick did religious stuff. He was a religious man, but he was not a saved man. This stage of the Christian life gets things going for you. And before we leave this stage, let me touch on one thing, and that's assurance. Some believers are authentic Christians, but they struggle with an assurance of salvation. It's common for these negative thoughts to happen. I I, I don't know. I, I mean, it, I could say it might be accurate to say that the majority of Christians have struggled at some point with the assurance of salvation, It does happen. It happened to me. I know so many people that it happened to. Maybe it happened to you. If you are struggling with the certainty of being a believer, my appeal to you is to to find help to work through that question because it will impact everything that comes next. And so 
I'm asking a very direct and plain question, are you born again? But I, I don't want to throw you, for those of you who, who tend to struggle with this issue, but I do appeal to you to get help. So stage number one is entering. Stage number two is learning. Learning. After the Lord regenerates you, there is a desire to want to know more about the person you married. You are part of the bride, and Christ is your husband. You are one with Christ, with Christ in him. You have been reborn into the community of God and placed in his body. As a new follower of Christ, the power of God is working in you. Imagine getting married and having no interest in your spouse. A lack of affection for your spouse is not how things are supposed to be. Imagine God, through His Spirit, taking up residence in you, and you are not affected by this new internal experience. Christians are affected people because God is doing things in them. One of the oddities of a lot of American Christianity, I'll just put it within my own country, is a lack of affection for Christ. In my corner of the world, in my corner of America, in the southern part of the United States, everybody seems to be a Christian. Now, that's a little bit hyperbolic, but in in, in a sense, and I know, I know people, believers who live here, they understand what I'm saying. And, and so everybody seems to be a Christian, but everybody does that not everybody has a practical relationship with God that permeates all of their lives. I realize this situation happens in marriages regularly. People become married, and shortly thereafter, they revert to a, a selfish mode of living. In such cases, the other spouse is more of an annoyance to be angry with than a joint heir to serve and enjoy. It is a theological oddity for this to happen with the God of the universe who inhabits the person. When this kind of spiritual breakdown does happen, it gives credence to the term cultural Christianity. Let me give you some useful questions where you can, at this stage, this stage is called learning. You have entered stage one. You have been regenerated by by the power of God. Now you are at stage two. You are learning. Do you want to know Christ? Is he your longing, your first and foremost love? Is Christ your primary desire? Now, those are yes and no, closed-ended questions, not the best way to ask them, but flip them around and ask open-ended questions and and begin to explain and describe and and talk about, about whether you want to know Jesus or not, and if he is your longing and foremost love, why why not? And, And describe, talk about Christ as your primary desire. When you read about the New Testament believers, there is no question that Christ was all that mattered. There was an intentional pursuit to want to know Jesus more and more. Christ was their reason for existing which you see with how Paul talked about it in, in Philippians 3, 8 and through 10. He said, Indeed, I count everything as loss 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and to be found in him, not having my own righteousness. You hear Paul's passion? You hear what he's saying, that he he was an affected man. But I'm also aware that we are in a warfare, and it's not realistic to expect all the warriors to be vibrant and fighting and faithful. Just like with the stage number one entering, uh, you need to be born again, and many are, but yet they struggle with assurance. And so I I, I just don't want to be so narrow-minded to think that Everybody has nailed down their their salvation, and they're living in the confidence of being born from above. Well, same here, learning. Well, you are in a warfare, and it's not realistic to expect, expect all the warriors to be vibrant, fighting, and, and faithful. Bad things happen to us, and so I don't want you to despair if you are a Christian, but you're having an awful season I've had awful seasons, long seasons, and many of you have as well. And you are born again, and you want to, you long to know more about Jesus, but maybe you feel a little bit lethargic. Maybe you're just a little numb in a surreal kind of way because of what you are going through. And though some believers are not authentic, and it appears to be a part-time religion for them, that is not the case for everyone. Some Christians do want to fight the good fight, but their circumstances have dealt a strategic blow to their faith. If you're struggling and you need help getting off the mat again, please let us know. I have a link here in in this article where you can click on it and and come to our free community forum, and it would be be our pleasure to chat with you and help you. Let us be that come-alongside friend as you navigate through your Christian faith during this down season that you have. So stage one is entering. Stage two is learning. Stage three is, is imitating. And so let's say, entering stage one, has God supernaturally intervened in your life and regenerated you by his power? Stage two is your life, life's passion about learning more of him in all the ways that you can. Then stage three, imitating. If these things are true for you, then your imitation of Christ is vibrant. You have a vibrant imitation of Christ. Similar to a healthy marriage, the more you assimilate into each other, the more you genuinely become like each other. This is what we call one flesh in the biblical world as far as marriage is concerned. And though sanctification is like a marriage in the sense that I have been using it, the analogy does break down at this point. I do not assimilate into Christ and him into me so that so that we can be the best possible versions of ourselves. Unlike a human marriage, I do not give Christ my best qualities, and he gives me his best qualities, and between the two of us, we become the best we can be. Now, maybe in marriage that works, strengthen weaknesses, and, and you assimilate and become the best versions of yourselves, well, that's where the analogy breaks down. I have no goodness, period. 
The only thing that I could give Christ was my unrighteousness, and he nailed that to his cross and paid for it by his death. Jesus gave me his righteousness. It's an alien righteousness. From that point, he began to work his salvation into me. Moving me, moving me toward full spiritual and complete manhood. Paul talked about that in Colossians 1, being complete in him. Because of his mighty work in me, stage three is me acting more like him and you too. And so when people see you, they are supposed to see him The sanctified person is no longer who he used to be. He is becoming somebody else. John the baptizer said it wonderfully well in John 3.30. You can memorize this verse. Let me give it to you. It's only only seven words. He must increase, but I must decrease. There it is. Love it. Memorize it. He must increase, but I must decrease decrease. The zenith of Christian maturity is when you are no longer thinking like your old self, but you have been changed into a new person. It is, it is like you had a, a brain transplant. You, you possess the mind of Christ. You are no longer your own, but God has bought you with a hefty price. This new and different life in Christ. Now that raises some excellent questions. For you to ponder, whose mind do you have? James talked about being double-minded. I know that you can you can oscillate like a fan going back and forth, uh, but primarily, whose mind do you have? Whose mind dominates your thinking, Christ or your own? Are your thoughts mostly His thoughts? Our thought life is the busiest part of our lives. It is the place where the forces of the enemy marshal their assaults so they can create alternate narratives that Paul called strongholds. If you're struggling with taking down those strongholds and submitting your mind to Christ, would you please? In fact, I have an article here I want you to read about taking your thoughts captive. Would you please read it? So stage one is entering. Stage two is learning. Stage three is imitating. And stage four is exporting. While it is true that you can tell another person about Jesus, we call that evangelism, and you should do that. You have to do that. You must do that. But your imitation of him can have a more practical impact as it coincides with your evangelism efforts. For example, my children have heard about the Savior all of their lives. Now, good teaching is excellent. And so you do want to do that. But the most compelling message they will ever understand is the one they see in their parents each day of their lives. The lives we live before them, we're talking about exporting, stage four. The lives that we live before them speaks louder than the words we teach them. Imagine what it, imagine what would be going through our children's minds if I told them about Christianity but did not seek to emulate the Christ life before them. I'm not talking about perfectly imitating Jesus because that is unreasonable. I'm talking about an attractive, humble, and progressive, and compelling, maturing, facsimile 
of Jesus. If our message is Christ, our lives must give a clear echo of him so it will not confuse others about about what we say and what we do. Your life is your message, regardless of what it communicates. We have no option. Uh, there, there aren't two options here. Regardless of what your life is, it is a message, and you are communicating it to others. And when I talk about not doing it perfectly, well, of course, you're not going to be a perfect imitation of Christ. Neither am I. That is not possible and that's where I would want you to flip your mistakes on, on, on their heads. I want you to flip, flip your sins around and use them redemptively. One of the blessings of sin, if I could say it that way, assuming that you repent, I mean, assuming that you repent, is that you are modeling how to work through personal sin in front of your family by your active repentance. Sin gives you an opportunity to model the gospel, the redemptive and restorative impact of the gospel, and imagine what that would teach your children. The title of this podcast is Four Stages to the Christian Life. I've been asking the question, where are you in those stages? How are you doing with these four stages of the Christian life? As soon as God regenerates you, all four of these stages are actively working in you. Your responsibility after stage one, after you... After you exercise faith and repentance in God after he initiates is for you to continue to mature in the other three. If you would like to talk about this podcast, I would love for you to chat with us. You can come to our website to do that. We have free community forums. It's the only place in the world where we talk about our resources because there are a lot of people who listen and and read and watch our resources, and, and we have to funnel them into one place. But it's a free place, and you're welcome to come. And you can also answer the call to action questions at the bottom of this article. Thank you for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.